0: Thank you so much, Doug and team, and thank you for a beautiful, beautiful song, Tanya and Jessica, and uh, welcome this morning. So wonderful to see you here in God's house today. Isn't it wonderful to worship our Lord and enter into this season and be reminded uh, for the one who is the reason for the season? We want to do that well this year, so turn with me if you would to the passage that Carlos and Esther read for us, Isaiah chapter 9. Would you turn there? And we'll be in that passage for these Sundays of Advent. And let me say, uh, thank you very much for the recognition given to my wife only (laughs) of 37 years, So we we love you all so much, and what an incredible privilege uh, to continue to serve the Lord with you here at West Park these many, many years. What an incredible journey, how great and faithful our God has been. It's been uh, hard to believe 37 years, but this week I was reminded of it in somewhat of a special way that it's been 37 years and evidently appears that it's been 37 years. Uh, just on Thursday I was uh, sitting in a large coffee shop with one of our staff members. Uh, we were sharing together, making some uh, plans together and I, we were seated toward the back of the shop but I was facing the front door And uh, the place was just packed. It was a cold morning a little bit, and the place was packed. And I saw an elderly gentleman come in the front door. Uh, He looked around just for a moment, and then he immediately started walking what appeared to be toward me. And so I watched as we continued our conversation, and he got closer and closer and closer, and finally he was standing right there next to me at our table. And he said this, excuse me, sir, could you tell me where I could find the Social Security office? (laughs) (laughs) My first thought was, of all the people in this place, why would he choose me? And it dawned on me. Might have something to do with those 37 years, okay? But (laughs) evidently, he picked me out as someone... That fellow knows where the Social Security office is. (laughs) Well, I... uh, The rest of the story, I said, Well, I certainly do, sir. And I said, Are you familiar with Wes Knoxville? He said, I am. And I said, Well... um, could I draw you a map? And he said, oh, that'd be so nice. So I took out a piece of paper from my notebook, and I I drew him a map and explained the route, and he said he understood it perfectly and uh, gave that to him. He was very happy uh, to receive it. Had I been able in the situation differently, I would have uh, gotten my car and said, follow me. And I'll, I'll lead you over to the Social Security office, though, to my knowledge, I never have been to it, all right? <laughs> now, that was a unique experience. It truly was. And uh, I've chuckled about it a little bit, but as I was thinking about this message and this season, you know, it did, in a, in a unique way, cause me to reflect on this season of Advent. Advent means waiting or awaiting, actually. Advent has the idea of arrival. Advent is a season when we focus on the arrival of Christ. We celebrate that the Lord has come, and we also celebrate by faith and complete hope he is coming again, right? He's the promised one. And I thought about, through that experience, how the promised one came to this dark world. He came to people sitting in darkness. He came to people who didn't know where they were. Or where they're going. He came to people wandering in the darkness. And the Lord came. He arrived. And he told people about his father's house. His home. The Lord in his grace gave us a map of instructions on how to know the way. The Lord, in His incredible love, paid the terrible price of the toll for us to go to the Father's house. And then, most wonderful of all, the Lord Jesus... Said, I won't leave you. I'll never forsake you. Follow me. Amen. And I'll show you the way to the Father's house. Isn't our Lord Jesus a wonderful counselor? Amen. He's a wonderful counselor. And that is our focus this first Sunday in Advent. We are going to be looking at this message from Isaiah of the promised one, the promised one, who is our wonderful counselor, who is the mighty God, who is the everlasting father, and he is the prince of peace. This morning, let's begin our season of worship and Advent as we listen again to Isaiah, speaking by the Spirit of God. And he shares with us about our wonderful counselor. Now, look at the text, if you would, again in Isaiah chapter 9. And listen to Isaiah describe that the promised one came for a people lost in the darkness. A people lost in the darkness. Now, we need to make sure that as we take this title of Messiah, we, we look at this passage, that we make sure we do so in context because it's important for us as we think about the Lord as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And we need to make sure we, we hear that in the context of which it was first shared 2,700 years ago by the great prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah lived and ministered in the 8th century before Christ. And early in his ministry, he was especially assigned to the nation of Israel. And if you recall from your reading of the Old Testament... The nation divided after Solomon. It divided into actually two nations. Ten tribes to the north of Israel... ...separated from Judah, Benjamin. And so Israel became the title for the ten tribes of the north... ...Judah for the kingdom in the south. Early in Isaiah's ministry... He was assigned by God as a prophet to especially speak to those ten tribes in the north. And they were people living in darkness. As you read through the Old Testament, it's it's appalling to understand how far God's chosen people had gone astray from him how deep they'd gone into idolatry, paganism, apostasy. But to just give us some insights, just to make sure that we understand what Isaiah was saying about a people in the darkness. I want you to recognize recognize how dark it was. Look at chapter 8, and remember, there's no chapter divisions in the Bible. So this is one continuous song, actually, of Isaiah. It's a a prophetic song. It's poetic, actually, in Hebrew. But listen to what we learn about this nation of Israel at this time. Chapter 8, verse 19, says this. And when they say to you, this is the Lord speaking to Isaiah, when they say to you, inquire of mediums and necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Amen. Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Israel had Sunk to such a place that they looked to necromancers, those who supposedly spoke with the dead to communicate messages to the living. A people who had gone so far away from God that rather than seeking, Wisdom from the living God, they would not inquire of their God. They inquired of the dead about what it means to live. I think you would agree that's a dark place, isn't it? And just as sadly, there were many prophets beside Isaiah. And these prophets went along sharing the message they had from themselves, not from God. Listen to what the Lord says in verse 20 about these false prophets. He said, to the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. There's no light in them. It's such a terrible world in which Isaiah ministers because people are actually going into occultic practices and visiting occultic practitioners to try to get insight. And people who are the so-called prophets of God don't speak according to His Word. And the reason they don't do that is because there's no light in them. When people turn to darkness... And away from God's light, here's what's going to happen. They will be conquered by that darkness. Choosing darkness rather than light, they'll be conquered by that darkness, and that's exactly what happened. Read verse 21 of chapter 8. They, this they means the Assyrians, this empire. ...threatening Israel, they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, these people who have now been conquered by this darkness, they will be enraged and they will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward... And they will look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness and gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. What is the Lord saying here? There is coming these invaders. They're going to come through the north of Israel. And even as they come, this people that loves darkness, still they won't turn to God. Still they won't repent. They will not turn. They'll be surrounded by darkness. Darkness around them and darkness inside of them. My friend, how terrible and how awful the darkness is when the God of light is rejected. Darkness. But now I want you to see something. (laughs) Praise God, there is no darkness that can extinguish forever His sovereign love, right? There is no darkness greater than the light of the Lord. And so in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of a people who have gone to occultic practices, seeking words from the dead rejecting God's light. God speaks a word of promise. And it is the promise of a light-giving deliverer who will come. The promise of a light-giving deliverer. The promised one. The one who will bring light. 2700 years ago, by the Spirit of God, Isaiah sees The dawn of the advent. He sees the light that is coming, the coming of the promised one who will be love's pure light to pierce the darkness. I want you to listen to what Isaiah shares about this promised one. Notice what he shares about this promised one. First of all, where will he come? Where is this promised one coming? Where will he come? We'll look at chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. This is where he's coming. But they, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former times he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Stop there. That's northern Israel. This is where the Assyrians would come from. They would come down the way of the sea. They would invade Israel from the north, coming into the northern part of Israel. But in the latter time, there's a time coming. He has made this way of the sea that's been the way of darkness. He's made it glorious. Where is this? This is the land beyond the Jordan. This will happen in Galilee of the nations. He calls it Galilee of the nations, literally Galilee of the Gentiles, because when the Assyrians took the Israelites captive, They repopulated the land with Gentiles. And so that whole area of northern Israel became known as Galilee of the nations, Galilee of the Gentiles. That's the reason someone would one day say, can any good thing come out of Galilee, out of Nazareth? Notice where this... One is coming. The people in Galilee, people who walked in darkness, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. Isn't this amazing? In the very area... Of the deepest darkness. In the very area where the Assyrians were going to invade. In the place that was the most hated and despised by the Jewish people for centuries to come. It would be in this darkness that the light would come. The light would come to this dark place. Where is this promised one coming? He's coming to Galilee he's coming to the area just beyond the Jordan well who will he be who will this deliverer be well notice what Isaiah says look at verse 6 for to us a child is born to us A son is given. How is this light going to come? Who's going to be the mighty light bearer? A child will be born. And isn't it interesting? This is amazing. We can understand it now. They could not understand it then. A child will be born, but the son will be given. Isn't that amazing? There will be a child born, but he is the eternal son. A child was born one night in Bethlehem, but when that child was born in the virgin, the eternal, everlasting son of God was given. What a gift. What a gift. A child will be born. A son will be given. Where will he come to? He'll come to Galilee. And what will, be, what will the promised one bring? What's he going to bring? This one who's coming. What will he bring? Well, notice. Verse 2. He's going to bring light from the Lord. Verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. Where would this child who is the sun bring light? He would bring it teaching the light of God in Galilee. What will this promised one bring? Not only is he going to bring light, spiritual light, he's going to bring laughter. Verse 3, the people that have walked in this darkness and seen this great light, here's what will happen. Verse 3, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. They are glad as when people divide the spoil of those who were trying to conquer them. There's going to be laughter, joy, where there's been weeping and anguish. This promised one's going to bring light. He's going to bring laughter. And he's going to bring liberty. Liberty. Look at verse 4. For the yoke of his burden, the staff for his shoulder... The rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. This is, he will bring liberty. He will free people from the worst form of oppression. Every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult. Every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel. For the fire. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. What's the promise? The government shall be upon his shoulder. There is one who is coming. He will bring light to those in darkness. He will bring laughter to those who are in grief and mourn. And one day he will bring complete liberty. Conquering the oppressor. And God's government will be upon his shoulder. And of his government and peace there will be no end. You see, you have mixed here in Isaiah's prophecy. What we understand. The first advent of Jesus. Jesus Has come. Jesus by his spirit is still here. But that same Jesus who walked the lanes of Galilee. My friend. This same Jesus who has gone up into heaven. Is coming again. And he is coming. Not riding on the colt of a donkey. He's coming riding a white horse. He's coming To bring an end to oppression and rebellion and to usher in an age of everlasting peace. And those who are His, He will bring with Him. And those who are His, who are on this earth, will join Him in that reign. What does this promised one give? He gives light. He gives laughter. He gives liberty. But here's what I want us to focus on for a few minutes. He also gives leading, guidance from the Lord. He gives guidance and leading from the Lord. What is his name? You shall call his name Verse 6, wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. The word literally here in in, in the Hebrew has the idea this way, almost a hyphenated word. You shall call him the wonder counselor. (laughs) There's no counselor like him. He is a wonder, and the word wonder here is used always of God and His great acts, His marvelous works. He Himself is called a wonder. And so this one who is coming is not just a human counselor. He's the wonder counselor above all counselors. The promised one... (laughs) is the all-wise one. Isn't that great? My friend, Jesus is this promised counselor. How do we know? How do we know that this is talking about Jesus? Well, I want you to listen to a man who is... Sitting in great darkness, though he was sitting in a very opulent office. He was sitting daily in great darkness. Matthew, the tax collector. Here's what Matthew tells us about Jesus. Matthew chapter 4. Just before he shares Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, this is what Matthew tells us. Matthew chapter 4, verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, he lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Is that ringing a bell? So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, The way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Can you get more specific? (laughs) This is like a GPS. The people there dwelling in the darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And that is a man who says that only as one who could say it, who sat in the darkness and God in his light shined on him in Jesus. And he was set free. And you can imagine him saying, Me, me, here in Galilee. Me, the one in the darkness. Me, the one hated On me the light has dawned. Anybody here who can say amen to Matthew's testimony? Amen. Yes, Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. He is the one that Isaiah foresaw. He is the one whom Matthew saw in his life and knew in his life and became one of his followers. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. And Jesus as the wonderful counselor, listen, he is God's great answer. Why is he the wonderful counselor? Because he is God's great answer. We go to a counselor because we need insight. We need Answers to problems that we have. Well, Jesus is the wonder counselor because he's God's great answer. What I want to do here just for a moment, if you would permit, and I encourage you if you'd like to take a little Bible tour with me, I want us just to walk through some, just read some things from the New Testament that talk about the light That is only found in Jesus. Let's listen to another one that knew him so well. His name was John. What does John tell us about this wonderful counselor? John 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was what? The light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. (laughs) There's the light bearer. There's the source of light, the word of God, the message of God, God incarnate, Jesus Christ. Some of the disciples couldn't bear to keep following Jesus when the bread and the fish stopped and Jesus started telling people that they must die to themselves in order to follow him, people started leaving him in droves. Do you know this? Do you know this? Thousands left him. Thousands. Before he ever got to Jerusalem, thousands of his so-called disciples left him when they knew It would cost them something to follow this Jesus. So many left him that Jesus said this to his disciples. We read about it in John chapter 6. We read, Jesus said, are you going to go away? And what did Simon Peter say? God bless Simon Peter. Sometimes he just... Opened his mouth to change feet. <laughs> but sometimes the greatest things came out of his mouth. Listen to what he said. Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? Only you have these words that give us life. You're the wonderful counselor. <laughs> John chapter 8, Jesus in Jerusalem, standing in the temple, declared who he really is. Verse 12, and again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What a wonderful counselor. Follow me. And you won't walk in darkness. I am the light of the world. I love what Paul says in Second Corinthians as he's telling those people about the glory of Jesus. And here's what Paul says to those believers in that dark, 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 darkest of cities, Corinth. He says this, verse 6 of chapter 4, For God who said, Let the light shine out of the darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And where do we get this light and knowledge? In the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's where the light shines from. It's from Jesus. This light of creation, the light of regeneration, the light of illumination, it all... Beams out of the source of light. Who is Jesus Christ? It's not complicated. As a matter of fact, it's so simple in the book of Ephesians. Paul said this to the Ephesians about Jesus as the wonderful counselor, the light bearer. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1... He said, I'm assuming that you have heard about Him and you have been taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. One of the saddest moments to me in the New Testament is Pontius Pilate says, what is truth? And truth is standing in front of him. And he doesn't see it. The truth is in Jesus. Where do we find guidance? Where do we find counsel? Where do we find insight? How should I live my life? It's not that complicated. The truth is in Jesus. Follow me and you will not walk in darkness, Jesus said. Paul in a companion letter in Colossians said to those believers when they were being led astray by false teachers, leading them into all kinds of superstitious myths about journeys into deeper and deeper knowledge that would lift them higher and higher in spiritual experience. Paul wrote to those believers and he said this about the wonderful counselor. Colossians 2, verse 2. He says, I pray that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love to teach All the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, that which has been hidden but now is revealed. What is this full knowledge of what's been hidden for the ages? It's Christ. And in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What is the source of all truth? What's the source of all wisdom? Jesus Christ. My friend, you can get information from many sources, but you can only get wisdom from one source. Wisdom is from God. And wisdom is from God incarnate, Jesus Christ. In Him are hidden all the treasures. Of wisdom and knowledge. Just a few more. Before we come to our time of communion. Hebrews chapter 1. I love how the author of Hebrews. Speaks about Jesus the wonderful counselor. He says this in Hebrews 1. begins the letter this way. Verse 1, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. God spoke. He's not silent. God is not a silent God. He's a speaking God. And He has spoken through the ages, through the prophets, but now He has brought His final message, His final messenger, and that is His one and only Son, the Word of God. Amen. What did the Lord say on the Mount of Transfiguration when He spoke out of that cloud? He said, This Is my beloved son. Listen to him. He is the wonderful counselor. Listen to him. And finally. Peter now an old old man. Writing his final letter. He knows death is near. He writes to people who are scattered in Babylon. Scattered in the world of Babylon. What, what does he say about Jesus? He says, verse 3 His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Do you hear that? He's granted to us. He's given to us everything that we need. That pertains to living our life here. And living a godly life. He's giving us all that we need Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory. Through the knowledge of Jesus. My friend, let me tell you one of the greatest dangers that Christians face in this day. It is looking for answers this way. Jesus plus fill in the blank. I mean, I like Jesus. He's got some great things to say. But I mean, we live in a real world here, right? I mean, you know, we, us, hey, it, church is one thing. Bible says one thing. But let's just don't get carried away. Let's keep our feet on the ground. Because you know, yes, Jesus, but Jesus plus It's the plus that is our problem. Who can tell us what life is about other than the one who is life? Who can tell us how we should do our work other than the one who created all things? Who can tell us how we should use our money other than the one who owns all the treasures of heaven and earth? Who can teach us better than the teacher, the rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth? Who can counsel us in any way compared to the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ? My friend, make sure your counsel, your guidance, your decision. Are not Jesus plus something. But make sure they're rooted in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus promised this. He who follows me. Will not walk in darkness. Every tragedy of life. Every awful horrible detour. Of every believer. Can be traced back to where they stopped walking in the light of Jesus. Amen. They had a better idea. They had a hunch. They thought Jesus plus this, my friend, in Him are all the treasures. In Him is life itself. Friends, where do you go for your counsel? I'm going to ask you the question again. When you need counsel, do you go to people who have the Spirit of God? Do you have people, do you listen to people who know God? Where do you get your advice on any subject? Find someone who knows the God, knows the wonderful counselor. I ask you the question, should not a people inquire of their God? Should people inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Can we go to spiritually dead sources to find out how to live our lives? Is there any subject whatsoever that someone can instruct you better in than the one who is wisdom incarnate, the wonderful counselor Jesus Christ, who said, I will teach you the way that you should go, I will guide you, I'll never leave you or forsake you? What a wonderful counselor! He's God's great answer. He's the answer to our greatest questions. What's our greatest questions? Who's God? Who's God? Here's Jesus' answer. John 14, 9. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Listen. God's like Jesus. If you've created a God that's not like Jesus, you've created a false God. Because Jesus came that we might know God. Who is God? What's our next great question? Who am I? Who am I? Here's Jesus' answer. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Who am I? Jesus says this is who you are. You are lost but you are loved. We are lost, but Jesus came for whom? Lost people. The reason some people are never saved is they'll never admit they're lost. And Jesus came for lost people. We're lost, but we're loved. Who is God? Who am I? Why am I here? Why am I here? Jesus said, this is why you're here. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What made paradise, paradise for Adam and Eve? perfect climate, absolute wonderful humidity, all kinds of nice food. Maybe some of you thinking, well, they ran around naked for one thing. No. What made paradise paradise is that human beings made in the image of their God had fellowship with the, their father. Amen. And I, it was all lost. Paradise was lost by sin. Why did Jesus come? So that paradise might be restored. And the sons and daughters of Adam can come back to paradise. Through the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Who lived the life that none of us could live. And died the death that we all deserved. So that in Him, we might return to paradise. Life with the Father. Why are you here? To know God. (laughs) Through Jesus Christ. That is God's desire. God's not playing hide and seek. This isn't some cosmic... Check chessboard, you figure out, you figure it out. No, God says, this is what I desire for you. I desire for you to come home. Amen. Be with me. And my beloved son, Jesus Christ. Let's walk together again. This is life. Jesus, the wonderful counselor. Answers our greatest need. What's our greatest need? I just give you this. To me, I think about our greatest need probably is one word. Assurance. Assurance. Assurance about what? What what assurance does Jesus give me? Number one, assurance. God loves me. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His only begotten son. Blessed assurance. Assurance that God is with me. A virgin shall conceive and bear his son. And you will call his name what? Emmanuel. which being interpreted means God with us. Assurance that God understands me. We don't have... A representative in heaven who doesn't understand this. He's been down here. He knows what it's like. He's not a God who doesn't understand. He understands pain. He understands sorrow. He understands fear. He understands doubt. He understands it all. He understands. And the final assurance is God is for me. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? God is for me. God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for me. He is for me. That's what Calvary says. God is for us. We don't have to be afraid of a God Who would not withhold his own son. How can we fear such a God? How can we hold back. From such a wonderful counselor. Who bears this very day. In his hands. And in his feet. The scars of his love. How can we doubt him? Lord. I pray now as we come to this time of communion. That you will break through the darkness. Our hearts, Lord, are dark. We deceive ourselves. We're deceived about who we are. We're deceived about life. We're deceived about who you are. But thank you for the wonderful counselor. And oh Lord, I pray now, even in this moment, in this room, and those who watch will hear the prompting of the Spirit of God. Turn away from the darkness. And like Bartimaeus of old, saying, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me, that I might receive my sight. Break through the shadows, Lord. And as we focus now on these elements, the bread, and on this juice, the fruit of the vine, let us remember our wonderful Counselor. In His name, Amen.